0: I hope you're enjoying these summer days. This is Alan Arnold for Ransomed Heart, and during our summer podcast, we want to bring to you some messages that were never featured as podcasts, but were things we did as a ministry. Today, we're going to hear part one of a two-part message from John Eldridge. It was originally a group of men here who heard this message at what we call Men at the Outpost. We hope you enjoy it. I have a very simple subject tonight. And a very simple idea, but one which, if you will like lay hold of it, will do you enormous good. Enormous good. What I want to speak to and explain tonight is restoring the soul. Restoring the soul, how God restores your soul. But let me first begin with our context and walk us into why. This is more precious than most people know or live with. The first reason being the reminder that we are at war. We are at war. I think I mentioned a couple of men at the outposts ago that when you step into this here, when you join us online, you step into a warrior culture. Because you live in a world at war, your soul is experiencing assault, assault, and erosion and poisoning and sometimes outright violence on a regular basis because you live in a world at war. Your soul takes a lot of damage. Paul in 1 Thessalonians says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless for the coming of Jesus Christ. You have three parts to you. You have a spirit, you have a soul, you have a body. And second to the great, you know, first and the second of the great commands, first great command, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind and all of your strength. Like the scripture takes the soul super seriously and it's not just like, oh, that's what happens when you go to hell, you lose your soul. Like, no, the soul is actually like a very real part of your existence and your soul is actually a region of enormous beauty. Your soul is quite vast. Your soul has enormous capacities to it for love and passion and beauty and wonder and curiosity. You have a mind, you have a will. Those are faculties of the soul. You have memory, right? You have desire, you have creativity, you have inspiration, you have dreams. Those are all faculties of the soul. I believe the heart is the center of the soul. The spirit of a human being is the life breath of God in you. God says that when God made Adam, he breathed into him and Adam became a living spirit. Your spirit is kind of like the sunshine and your soul is like the stained glass that it shines through. All the different faculties of capacity like love and laughter and playfulness and curiosity and perseverance and tenacity and the endurance of pain and all that. Like those are faculties of your soul. Your soul is like really valuable. Your soul is like you. It's the real you, the internal you. And your soul takes a lot of damage. When Simeon takes the baby Jesus there in the Christmas story in the temple when Mary and Joseph present him on the eighth day as was given by the law, and he's going to bless the child, he says something very ominous to Mary. He does bless the child, but then he goes on to say this. He says, this child is destined to call the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then listen to what he says to her. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. From Luke chapter 2, watching her beloved son tortured, and executed was going to be so traumatic to Mary and to her actual soul. Simeon says it is going to be as real as if someone took a sword and just ran it through your soul. A sword is going to pierce your soul, Mary. And it's really validating for the scripture to acknowledge this, that many of you know exactly what I'm now trying to reveal: that actual damage is done to the inner places of your being. Okay, you have a soul, it's a beautiful thing, it has real faculties and properties to it. It's the truest you, the internal you, and your soul can take damage in this war and does take damage of all kinds on a fairly regular basis let me walk you through some passages. Proverbs 12, reckless words pierce like a sword. So like there's Simeon's idea there that, wow, like other things can pierce your soul than just watching someone being tortured, although that would do it. Reckless words can do it. Betrayal can do it. Slander, hatred, envy, jealousy, judgment can do damage to your soul, especially as people speak that against you. Psalm 31, I will rejoice and be glad in your loving kindness, because you have seen my affliction. You have known the troubles of my soul, David says. And then he goes on in Psalm 42 to say, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Like a Your soul gets sad. Your soul can come under gloom and discouragement and despair. And he describes it as like disturbed within him. The soul gets disturbed. In Psalm 6, he says, my soul is in deep anguish. Psalm 31, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. That is just a fabulous description of what it's like. Like, yes, there's Mary's experience of like like trauma and real wounding and painful, painful damage done to the soul. But more often than not, in this war, it's a war of attrition. And the enemy is just wearing down and wearing down and wearing down your soul till like, man, your inner reserves, your inner life just feels like it is withering away. It made me think of that Chekhov quote that Stacy loves so much. Any idiot can face a crisis. It's this day-to-day living that wears you out. Right? Or any idiot can rise to a crisis, as some renditions of that go. Right? It's the day-to-day living that's brutal. It's the, you know, constancy of the erosion, the constancy of the poisoning, the constancy of the diminution, and then the assaults and the violence and the things that happen in the context of that, that just my body and soul are withering away, David says. Psalm 7, O Lord my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me from all who pursue me and deliver me, or he will tear my soul like a lion dragging me away while there is none to deliver. Like, wow, like the, the graphic picture of like a rending of your soul, clawing at it, like gashes and wounding, blood, lacerations of the soul. You get the idea. Your heart and your soul can be wounded, damaged in the same way that the physical body can be. As if I needed to tell any of you this, the glorious news is that God restores the soul. God restores the soul. The famous Psalm 23, this is the phenomenal promise of Psalm 23. David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack for anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. As you begin to get an idea of how precious your inner world is, your being, your soul, and the violence that's done to it on a regular basis in this war, like, this becomes a really big deal. Like, what? You don't just have to kind of hold your breath and suck it up till you hit the finish line and just kind of fall gasping into heaven? Like, wait, like, God can actually bring restoration to your soul now? Huge absolutely huge. And that's what I want to look into this evening. You have got to take the restoration of your soul seriously. And I meet very, very few people who do. It's staggering, actually. I don't know why I'm smiling. I guess at the absurdity of it, it's staggering how little people think about the value of their own soul and about restoration. We just suck it up, take the hits and try and go on. And then we medicate a little on the side. We medicate, right? Jesus' perspective in Mark 8, he says, how do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul in the process? And again, I think particularly in kind of contemporary evangelicalism, we hear that and we go, oh, he's talking about going to hell, right? Like, you know, you live a wild and crazy life and that seems great, but you go to hell. Like, that's actually not what this verse is about. You lose your soul way before you step into eternity. That's just the irreversible outcome. Like at that point, nothing can be done for you, right? Because your soul has already withered away to the point. It is so insubstantial, as C.S. Lewis put it in The Great Divorce. It can't handle the reality of heaven, right? The Great Divorce is a fascinating little story. This is an aside that C.S. Lewis wrote an allegory of a group of people who are actually given the opportunity to leave hell and go to heaven and experience what it is for a day to see if they want to change their minds. They get like one last, one last chance. And the fascinating thing is, is that the people from hell are so insubstantial, like they have so diminished as human beings. You can see through them. They're like opaque And they can't handle the grass of heaven. It hurts their feet because the grass of heaven is so real. And the people of heaven are like substantive, right? Weighty, right? Like that's the idea of being glorious. Like you are so substantive, okay? And that substantiveness is being shaped in you now. Like your soul is either growing in substance or it's being withered away now. This isn't some switch that just gets thrown later, you know, in the heaven or hell moment, right? That's like, that's not what it means about saving and losing your soul. That's taking place every day, every day, okay? And then in Mark 8, Jesus says, is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, Therefore we don't lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. <laughs> like, really? Because that would be phenomenal. Like, it almost feels like he's describing like a different people group. Sort of like, wow, that's fascinating. It sounds lovely. Who are you talking about? But if that was available, right, like, that'd be worth buying the ticket for that. Like, if you could access being renewed, like, he restores my soul. David seems to have this confidence. No, that he's speaking out of his experience. He's saying, no, God can, can actually, like, do substantive, restorative work in your soul on a daily basis if you'll pursue it. If you'll take that seriously, that's available to you. Now, let me make an important distinction here. Restoration and relief are not the same thing. Because what most of us do is we just seek relief. Right? You know how this goes. You're hammered. You're beat up. You're totally, totally spent gone withering away all that stuff inside my soul is disturbed within me my soul is in anguish within me right my soul is downcast so what do you do we go for relief right have a couple extra beers tonight right open the ice box and see if there's some ice cream you know get on the internet right we go sit in front of the television and veg right we just look for relief typically, is how we handle the affliction of our soul. But relief does not bring restoration. It doesn't restore your soul. It doesn't heal it, make it whole, make it well, even make it stronger for next time. It doesn't do that stuff. Like, it's relief. I mean, I'm there, right? I turn on British Premier League soccer. I go to things like chocolate. It used to be alcohol for me, but because my grandfather was an alcoholic and my dad was an alcoholic, I saw the handwriting on the wall on that, and I'm like, I can't really go there anymore. But I was, I was headed there, right? Just whatever you can use for relief. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's so momentary and doesn't restore you. we use checking out. Guys, just check out. You know, just go numb, just as relief. And here's the problem is that while this is going on, again— Again, you know what's happening is you're becoming vulnerable without the restoration of your soul and merely turning to relief, you get more and more vulnerable right you know how this goes down because then other things start looking like relief. some of the intoxicating stuff starts looking like relief heroin looks like relief right Your secretary looks like relief you know and guys take it out then because they're wearing you down wearing you down wearing you down and you're handling that by checking out vegging eating whatever drinking masturbating and then your soul's not being restored and then the big guys come right and then you're just so vulnerable to it it might bring relief but it does not bring restoration but David says he restores my soul he restores my soul We're going to pause here and pick up next week with part two of John's message on restoring the soul. You've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. This is Alan Arnold. We'll see you next week.